You're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Uh, always good to be back and, uh, you know, in the chair of the lovely uh, podcast studio. <laughs> I guess we call it a studio. Who knows what it is? Um, yeah, just want to welcome everybody to another edition of Soccer Talk in the Park. Of course, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Uh, again, I've thrown out the American soccer. Soccer! Shot score! Back of the net! All that sort of fun <laughs> stuff. We have uh, technical director Sean Lother in the studio. How are you doing, Sean? Very good, you? Very well, very well. Deagle Vender, the community director. How are you, sir? Very good, D-Dubs. How are you doing? Very, very well. We have Dano Drummond on the phone. Dano, you there? I'm here, buddy. I'm oh, you're on the left side. Yeah, you're, com- you're coming out the left side for everybody. <laughs> and we've got a special guest with, um, he's going to be on the show for us for, for the bulk of the show. It's uh, FC Edmonton's new head coach, Alan Koch. Alan, how are you? Good, Darren. How are you doing? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm okay. Enjoying the sunshine here in lovely Edmonton. And, uh, you know, that's something we can jump in with. Uh, well, we'll jump into it in a little bit here. We've got uh, a few fun things in order. Um, lots of chat with uh, Mr. Koch in regards to his new position with FC Edmonton. We'll talk to him about um, past soccer things, his connection with uh, our technical director in the past there when uh, Sean was coaching uh, teams in the Okanagan of British Columbia. Uh, I know there were some times there you guys uh, could have crossed paths or did cross paths or at least chatted. Um, and uh, we'll also talk a little bit about inspirational thing. We'll have quotes from different soccer players, things that have inspired all of us here, things that might inspire you know you young players out there um, to become better players or to continue your career, whether it be in a collegiate capacity or making that attempt to jump to a pro level. Um, we'll see who inspires you to do just that. Um, but we'll start things off as we always do with a bit of a, you know, a bit of a rundown on what's been going on with the club and some of the uh, programming that's been going on. I know we're getting into a couple of weeks to go on the community side of things, uh, which we'll uh, get to deal with in a little bit. But uh, we can go b- a bit of a COVID update with uh, with uh, Shano here and uh, have uh, have you, you know, sort of throw things out there for us. Well, I looked in my crystal ball. <laughs> And it said we'd be back on the field the first week of April. Oh, that would be sweet. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, we're waiting on the government to say what's going to happen. There was an update uh, last week. It wasn't favourable. It was just stay as we are with uh, physical distance training. And we're hoping that the next update in less than a week now, it'll be a week on Friday, I think, uh, we'll get some good news there where we can expand things a little bit. But right now it's just uh, physical distance training with eight players and two coaches. And we're just doing what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And so because of that, we've got a whole bunch of things going on with the, the community side of the of the program. Uh, the Phoenix side, I'll, I'll, I'll get down. You can jump in on that in a minute. But uh, Dee, what's, what's been going on with us here with the community side? Yeah, really excited uh, to be out and be able to actually be out in the in the community program doing the social distance training. Um, you know, our community players, we love playing soccer games, right? So it's a little bit different, but I, I give credit to the kids that are, that are out uh, and have joined us in our social distance training. This is the, a technically led program. Um, and for a community program, again, this is the second time in, in within the, the year of the pandemic that we, we've brought in uh, technical coaches to, to lead the program. And I think it's been an absolute you know, fantastic uh, for the kids to be exposed to um, the great coaches that we have. And we're just looking forward to, to come outdoor. Uh, we want to be back on field. We want to be playing games. A majority of our of our kids that are in our program, uh, they want to play the game. And they want to enjoy the game just like everyone else, right? So Yeah. Actually, if I just add something on that. Sure. Um, you know, it's the first time I've worked the community players in Sherwood Park since I got here, and uh, it's been good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been some, some players have stepped up and done quite well. In fact, uh, the first weekend, we had a Ministry of Silly Walks, a Monty Python <laughs> skit that we put together. And uh, there was one girl actually came dressed in a full full Monty suit no. with a briefcase <laughs> and did the whole Ministry Walks thing. And it was different class, like, you know, so that was pretty good. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Sophia there. I'm going to give her a shout out on, on the podcast. Um, she's, she's our COVID, um, our, our traditional COVID soccer player. She joined soccer for the first time last outdoor 
and it was a COVID season. COVID season. So she hasn't really actually seen how normal how a normal season goes. But she's in it. She's enthusiastic. And and when Sean brought the the silly walks uh, challenge on, um, she was all about it. it you was know, great. and that's an amazing thing. There there are so many players out there that have are just getting their start in football, and really because it's all COVID, they don't know what it's really all about yet. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see once they do get to that full fledged uh, point when we're allowed to com- you know, just play as, as we'd like to do. Um, that'll be an interesting thing to see, and we, we can talk about it at that podcast. Uh, <laughs> Dano Phoenix programming it, it's uh, it's been going, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement again from the players just to be back on the pitch. Yeah, not much of a change from our our last update, and like Sean said. We're limited with what we can be doing, but um, coaches and tech leads are just happy to be out with the groups in, in any way they can, right? And I think the kids, the groups that I've worked with, they're just they're just eager to get on the ball. And you can see now they've they've had this time a little bit, and they're they're eager to get into a small set of games and get back to normal as much as possible. So definitely using all the facilities around the city. We've been at Foot and Victoria. Um, you know, Millennium Place as well. So it's, it's been good. I just think the kids are eager and as well as the coaches just to get back to a little bit more normalcy. So hopefully if the announcement on uh, the 22nd or before then is good and positive, opportunity for us to get the outdoor season started early April just with a little bit of, um, you know, uh, assessments going and some, some starting sessions for the outdoor season. So it should be good. Well, that's exciting to hear. Uh, and I know for me, from the goalkeeping perspective, it's uh, just because of the way things are, are set up with the AHS and, you know, the amount of players that are on the team. Um, we've set up a separate night for the goalkeeping and it's been great. I, I've been very uh, appreciative of the players and the, and the keepers that have shown up and uh, the work ethic has been different class. Um, they all want it really badly. Um, but as as we saw in our very first one-on-ones that we started to do prior to this eight-man thing, the fitness levels were not <laughs> quite there. Much like uh, DW here, a lot of cake's been eaten over this uh, COVID uh, kind of time here. Well, it's even bad for the coaches. I mean, <laughs> they're doing these sessions and we're bagged at the end of it, you know? <laughs> That's funny. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming you guys, uh, you, you've started doing one-on-ones, Alan, and uh, I know we haven't really totally introduced you yet but we'll get you to jump in on this how tired are you by the end of these things you, you were alluding to it a little bit earlier yeah absolutely exhausted to be pretty <laughs> frank we're, we're doing probably four back-to-back one one-on-ones which i'm used to uh thankfully managing probably a 90-minute training session so to go from <laughs> that to now several hours we're probably finding ourselves going home in the afternoon needing a short little nap to get uh, re-energized <laughs> for the rest of our day so i need the nap just to get at the cake later that's what i need the nap <laughs> Um, D-dubs, how's the how's the GK union going? It's it's actually going okay. It's it's one of those things. So the GK union is uh, uh, an online classroom that we've we've started here at the SPDSA, and uh, it's been pretty interesting to say the least with some of the keepers that have jumped on board, and um, it's it's been fairly consistent with the the ones that have come on board, and I'm actually amazed that some of the knowledge base that they have i mean it's hopeful that you're going to gain some knowledge but even from some of the younger players um talking through some of the scenarios within a game whether it's how to deal with a short corner how to set up your you know defenders you know do you have defenders on post do you have like it's real interesting how they think the game through and um i've been getting them to draft up little pictures like i'll give them a a, a diagram and say okay so for next week I need you guys to draw out how you would set up your defenders and your midfielders for a corner kick, a short corner kick. Um, we're getting into free kicks next week, so I'm excited about that. Uh, but it's been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed it, and it's amazing how quickly an hour blows by. Um, it's funny. I actually went on the first one that you did, and I was amazed at how intelligent these goalkeepers are because some guys that I played with were not very intelligent. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that about D-dubs. Well, yeah, that's, you know. that's a coach. Yeah, and it's and it's funny because you don't want to babble too much. I want to lead them into understanding, you know, what we're talking about and to try and get them to open up a bit more. 
Um, and that's the last the last session we just did uh, this past Monday was was f- fantastic. Like the they did most of the talking. I I was there to sort of moderate what was going on, but uh, the bulk of the chatting came from the from the keepers, which was great. I, I love to see that. Well, Dano fancies himself as a goalkeeper, so I mean... Yeah, I w- Dano, why don't you tell us that story again about how you played in goal and your father uh, talked to you in the car afterwards? No, he didn't even talk. To, I talked to myself. I was eight years old. I got a, I got a new keeper jersey. I was, thought I was a cat's meow. Let him score goals in the second half, and that was the end of it. I just, you know, just decided to play in the backyard with my brother, and that was about the extent of my goalkeeping career. No, oh, well, that's that's probably a good thing because you you know you came out to be a, a bit of a stellar defender, and you're, you're scoring goals like mad in the old man's league. So that's pretty good. Defender. Uh, I don't know if any coaches would agree with that. In fairness, though, I was out at foot with the old fours. I had to step in goal this week, and I hate to say that I beat Abby in the competition. So you know, we'll give we'll give Abby a shout out on the podcast for that. <laughs> she's she's going to be slaughtering me. She's going to slaughter me now. But <laughs> when I get to see her again on the on Friday night, <laughs> um, so yeah, so there we go. The the club is plugging along and uh, making sure things happen for our players. And uh, yeah, as soon as we get word from the AHS that things will will grow and expand. I think that next step will be a, be a good one where we can at least cohort the teams and, and be able to do some serious um, team-style training uh, prior to the summer coming up and the, and the outdoor season. Obviously, with the outdoor season, I think, well, fingers crossed, I, I can't see the HS not opening things up when we are outside. I would think so. You know, certainly into a cohort situation like we had before. Yeah, um, I'd be shocked if we're not doing something like that. Yeah, and 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 I just wish the summers here were a little bit longer. Like the winters are longer. <laughs> 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 that would be sweet. Um, well, listen, the, the, the guest is uh, Alan Koch. Alan, we're going to uh, touch base with you here. You know what? We're probably going to take a break in about three minutes. But why don't you just give us a quick rundown on? Uh, where are you from? We talked a little bit earlier because it seems like uh, you and our man D Govender come from the same place. <laughs> yeah, D and I'm from the same city in South Africa. Um, so that's probably the first half of my life. I'm going to guess I'm quite a bit older than D. Um, he's got youthful good looks, I'm guessing. Um, first half of my what life. What are you uh, looking at? <laughs> <laughs> there, is, there, there is a bit of perplex between us, so I can't really tell. But, um, no, first half of my life was in South Africa, born and raised there. Uh, and then second half of my life, Canada has been my base. So I came to Canada in 1996. Uh, I've left Canada a few times uh, since then to, to go to certain places in Europe. I went to Japan. Uh, and it's been a lot of time, obviously, down in the U.S. Uh, yeah. So, in a nutshell, that is the last forty-five years. That's wow, forty-five years. Yeah, I'm not young. I can tell you that much. Oh, come on, you're not <laughs> an old. Well, man you either. may say I'm young, but I don't feel young. Let's, yeah, let's go well, with that. So. Let's wait till you're my age, and you got to dive and flop on a floor. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we'll we'll talk more about uh, Alan's career and uh, what he's done, where he's going with the the new uh, job with FC Edmonton. And um, all things and all points in between. And, and part of that may uh, include some, uh, some of the time he spent in Ireland with Limerick. Because uh, our, our man Sean also played in Ireland as well. So we'll be looking forward to that. Anyways, you're listening to Soccer Talk of the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. And we're back. Yes, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. That was kind of laid back. It's my jazzy 3 a.m. sort of voice. <laughs> very, going on. So- very soothing. Yeah, very, very <laughs> soothing. I, this is how I talk to our community children when they're training to keep them calm, especially the eight-year-olds who uh, are usually bouncing off the wall. But anyway, um, yeah, Alan Koch. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's great to see you, man. I haven't seen you in quite some time. It's been a long time. Uh, I know we've chatted uh, via LinkedIn a couple of times, but uh, not quite the same. Uh, oh, by the way, Miller says hi. Colin Miller. Sounds good. Yeah. Actually, Colin was uh, one of the first people that texted me when this job became public, so I uh, I appreciated his support. Oh, that's awesome. That's good. And so, speaking of the job, I hope we do a little bit of a prelim. Were you, you know, 
how did you get into the coaching aspect of it? And that's probably where it ties in a little bit with the Okanagan challenge where uh, yourself was, Sean, as, as a head coach. And I know you were still playing at the time. Or do we want to go back further? We'll go back to the playing days. We don't, do we have to go back to the college days? No, you don't have to go back to your college playing days. I can't even remember what happened yesterday, let, it go, <laughs> let, let, alone, let alone going back what was like 20, 25 years ago. So um, give, the guy, no. give the guy a break. Yeah, four hours or, four break. hours of one-on-one <laughs> yeah. sessions. Let's go. But I, I do think, honestly, it's the beauty of this game, and particularly in this country, is you cross paths with so many different people uh, at different stages. And yeah. it's beautiful when you can go full circle and catch up. Obviously, those are great opportunities. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I mean, you were... Uh, you know, you, you started off with the, the, the national team, obviously playing different levels of stuff in, in South Africa, but you were with the South African under-23 team for a little bit. How was that? Um, it was great. Um, I was fortunate in South Africa. I signed in the South African first division uh, when I was 17 years old. Nice. Um, I wouldn't say it was anything uh, exactly beautiful to write home about in terms of contractually or financially, <laughs> but I signed professionally as a player and was in the South African First Division uh, playing with Roosevelt Hills United, um, so a team in, in Durban who unfortunately don't exist any, anymore. Um, so got a taste there, was included in the various youth national teams, um, used that to get myself to go to Germany. To be honest, I signed... In the second Bundesliga, I wasn't good enough to play in the second Bundesliga. Uh, and I went down and played in the fourth division in mm -hmm. Germany. And that probably was my appropriate level at that time. Yeah, um, Couldn't really see myself going any further in Germany. Even at that young age, I was, I was a realist in terms of where I could go to. Mm -hmm. uh, my family actually immigrated to Canada. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to get over to go play at SFU. And obviously, that's where we met. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, and then just lived the journey ever since. So that was 25 years ago. Wow. Uh, right now. So... Crazy how quickly time goes by. You know? Yeah. I mean, we also see that you, you played in Ireland for, was it a year or two years that you were was there? Was that just for one season with Limerick? Um, now, was that, was that the same time Tiernan King was there? I was there. TK went to, I think he went to Bray Wanderers on trial yeah. when I was there. Yeah. And Limerick's obviously in the west, Bray's on the east. Okay. Uh, we didn't cross paths in Ireland, but I think it was pretty close to the same time. Because I was, I actually went over, I was um, lucky enough to spend time with, one of the clubs in England, but while I was there, I had a week where I a week off, so I went and visited TK oh, cool. in Ireland and hung out with him. Got to go see one of the matches, but I, and I'm sure he mentioned your name there and and yeah. and that you played there. But I know that Sean, you also played in Ireland. Yeah, I played for UCD for two years, uh, two seasons. I was with the Whitecaps as an 18 year old. They sent five of us back, so David Norman, Brent Balling, Carl Shearer, those types of guys. Uh, stayed in Dublin, absolutely loved it. It's a great place to mm -hmm. go. And uh, we were in second heaven. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Get, getting paid in Canadian dollars and then getting additional money for winning games from the, from the club in Ireland. And uh, it was awesome. I mean, I just fan loved it. I played against Limerick a few times yep. down there and in, and in Dublin and... It was a great experience. Yeah. And likewise, I would imagine for yourself, good experience. Uh, it was an amazing time. I'm, I'm still in touch with my manager, Tommy, Tommy Lynch. Uh, so I awesome. literally was emailing him probably about 10 days ago. Um, and our oldest daughter, who was born and raised in Canada, lives in Cork now. Uh, so <laughs> wow. literally just down the road. So having played for Limerick and Cork, there was a pretty, pretty strong rivalry. Um, yeah, yeah. So her boyfriend's from Cork and he'll... Uh, mention how beautiful Cork is and I'll quickly jump in and tell him how beautiful <laughs> Limerick is. <laughs> oh man. And so you do that, you're playing at that level. What was the first sort of hint that you wanted to continue on coaching? And yeah, I, I was playing in the League of Ireland and I, I used to have, and thank goodness it's gone away now, I, I contracted what's called pericarditis. I would get fluid around my heart. Um, so I had to stop it at 25 years old. Um, I probably could have played, but to play at that level, there's, there's no way if you have some type of ailment like that. Yeah. Went back to Vancouver, which was uh, my home base. Mm -hmm. Had absolutely no idea what I want to do with my life. Uh, got a job with a company in Vancouver selling light fixtures. Um, no disrespect to anybody who sells light fixtures. No, 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 that no, was no. not my passion. I did yeah. not enjoy it. I was fortunate to go to China a few times with it and enjoyed the business side of it, but I wasn't passionate about light fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Dave Elliott, who, who you know, who yep. was the assistant coach at Simon Fraser when I played there, became the head coach. Yeah. Uh, asked me to come be his assistant coach. I think it was for $21 or $22 for the year. Wow. It was marginally more than that. Um, I, <laughs> didn't think, I didn't think 
think about it for one second. I, I jumped in, uh, and that was 20 years ago now. Wow. And, and to look where you are now. I mean, I've, st- your, your coaching growth has, uh, been incredible, uh, to go from, you know, coaching university, everyone starts somewhere. And then mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're, you're with the Vancouver Whitecaps for a little bit. Well, we'll say we'll go with the challenge. You took over for Sean, did you not? As I think it went from you. I think it went no, to Scott, Scott Sieben. You took over. Yeah. So it was Ian Bridge was the coach. Okay. Initially, then I became the head coach after Ian. Scott yeah. Sieben came in for a couple of years, and then Alan yeah. took over. Yeah, and that was, again, that was the Pacific Coast League back yeah. then? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And we spent a bit of time in the PDL. Okay. When I yeah, was yeah. there yeah. a couple of years. Um Great setup. I yeah. mean, the Apple Bowl in oh, Kelowna, yeah. fantastic surface to play on. You know, decent crowds for that level. Yeah. Just get a thousand fans out the game. Uh, I just loved it. It yeah. was great. And I'm sure you had the same experience. Absolutely fantastic. It, it was so beautiful that we actually have a house now in Lake Country, which is oh. 20 minutes up the road from Kelowna. So oh, it's, nice. uh, it's a beautiful place. And not only just in the summers, but the whole year round. Uh, yeah. The Okanagan's absolutely gorgeous. So Yeah, you can't, uh, I mean, we were lucky enough to travel there. I mean, with the Whitecaps, we took a mixed team. It was the Whitecaps women and men. And we went to play the challenge there. And again, it was, I don't know if it was the full challenge team or not. And I'm not sure if it was yourself or yourself. No, it wasn't me. That was the coach at the yeah, time. It doesn't ring any bells for me either. Okay. Well, we went in, we played in the Apple Bowl. They had a ton of people come out and I'll never forget seeing Deanna Artuzo. She was a striker for the team. Flatten, one of the biggest defenders I've ever seen. Go, he went to go into a tackle, and she just leveled him. So I don't know if he was just trying to be nice at first when he went into it. <laughs> she was not being nice. She was having none of it. But it was a, it was a fun game. It was a good match, and it was uh, very nice. Uh, the the ownership group at the time, uh, I, I guess I can say the name, Greg Kerfoot, who owns the, the Whitecaps, or is a part owner now, um, has several houses right on the lake there <laughs> and, a, and, a, and a fully lit soccer field there. We got to go visit him and have a barbecue after the game, but it was, it was just an incredible place. I just, I, I love going there as well. It's a small world, but Michelle Ortuzzo is my sister-in-law. Oh, is it really? <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that literally shows how small the world it is. Yeah, <laughs> that is unbelievable. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. And, and I, I love those kids. They were great. Um, so now that we've come around and you're coaching, you, you went to Cincinnati and it, it was part of the USL there. Well, they actually had gone through the Whitecaps first. And then what were you doing exactly with the Whitecaps? So I got there, started as a scout with the first team in MLS. Mm-hmm. Um, was able to do that while I was still coaching at SFU. Yeah. Um, so that's what allowed me to get into it. And then I kind of had to get to a place where it was, am I going to continue in the university game, which I've been doing for... 10 years at that time yeah. Uh, or am I going to really go jump into the professional game um, and felt like we'd, we'd done almost everything at SFU mm-hmm. made uh, three final fours I hadn't won the national championship down in the States but it got, a, had to go close at least you know what that's a tough goal there's what how many I mean it was division two back then too yeah. or yeah. it still is I guess with uh, with yeah. SFU yeah it's but close, I mean, close to about 200 teams yeah. in the league so it's it's di- it's difficult but uh, the goal was and still is for the program to go win the NCAA Division Two National Championship. It'll be yeah. special to do that as the only Canadian school in that league. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges, and, and people don't really see this, is we had to play every playoff game on the road. Yeah. So American teams are not allowed to come to Canada under the NCAA rules in the playoffs. So uh, you could be the number one seed and you never, ever get to host a playoff oh, game. Wow. So that's, that's, that makes it incredibly challenging. Yeah. You're flying all over the place. Of and course. By the time we would get to the final four, you're absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Um, so I hope they can still do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Clint, who was my assistant coach, has been there now for the last seven, eight years as the head coach. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully they can do it one day. Um, yeah. I'll support them until the bitter end. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, okay, you, you end up with the uh, the Whitecaps, and you went from the scout to being their USL uh, affiliate, or not the affiliate, I guess their team that they had. They had a reserve team at that at some point. Yeah, it was, it was the head coach for the USL team. Yeah. Uh, I was one of the assistants with the first team. Um, didn't travel that much. I traveled for a few games with the first team mm-hmm. uh, whenever the second team didn't have a game. Uh, and continue to do the scouting work. So I was wearing a lot of different hats, which was fantastic, honestly. It exposed me to so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, had some success in that position. We took the youngest team in the USL to the Western Conference Final in 2016, I believe it was. Uh-huh. And like in most businesses, when you have success, the phone starts to ring. Of course. Um, I had a few different offers to go to different places. 
I got flown into Cincinnati, and literally when I got there, you could feel something special was happening. They they That's had averaged, cool. I think it was about 15,000 fans in their first year in USL. They had plans to go to MLS. You could feel that they were heading down that road, mm-hmm. uh, and I decided to jump in. Uh, gave me a job doing very similar things to what I'd been doing for the Whitecaps with scouting and analytics and coaching and, and so many different roles. Uh, and then within a few months, the, the manager, John Hawks, uh, was relieved of his job and I didn't get even asked the the president came to me and he's like you will be running training tomorrow uh, and I thought it was just for one session at first uh, and then we went to a, a press uh, conference that afternoon and he just literally announced that I would be the head coach of the club. <laughs> um, so that is absolutely oh, brilliant. No, no contract <laughs> negotiations, nothing. It was, there you go. That uh, is brilliant. And the next day, we we flew down to Florida for preseason. So you're in oh the absolute. Oh, my abs- God. That, <laughs> what, what a pressure cooker. Instantly. That, that is a mild story in comparison to other stories I can tell yeah. you. But that was, uh, that was the start of it. Oh, um, wow. But it, it was an amazing experience. Honestly, I, I felt very privileged to have that opportunity because by the time I left the job, we were in MLS. I was an MLS head coach. Uh, we won the city. It's only professional trophy that it's ever won. Um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. We, we grew a fan base from, like I said, when I got there, it was about 15,000 in the first year. When I got there, we grew it from 15,000 and we were filling the stadium at the end, which was 33 or 34,000 fans every I'll, single week. I'll never forget tuning in. Uh, I, I guess it was online to see it in, was I in BC at the time? I must have been in BC at the time. Could have been here. I don't know. I can't remember. I'm old, you know. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, but it, I remember seeing one of the games, one of the U.S. Cup games, and the stadium was packed, and you actually knocked off one of the MLS teams. And I think you might have done that a couple of times during that run. Yeah, that um, was, I think it was 20, that was 2017. Yeah, um, so I was here yeah, then. Yeah. yeah. Um, but fantastic. The crowds, the, you know, and just seeing the atmosphere in there, there's nothing better. And I, I mean, Sean, you obviously have played in huge, huge crowds as well. That's, what an adrenaline rush, whether you're a player or coach. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing better than playing in front of big crowds. And we've talked about this previously, but it's difficult right now for professional players to get up for those games when there's no one in the stands. So, Mm. yeah, it's a a great feeling. That makes total sense. Total sense. Um, So you go through the Cincinnati um, scenario, and as you you alluded to, things uh, things change partway through the MLS uh, um, stint. And then you end up in, I'm trying to think of where you ended up in. Colorado. Colorado. There you go. Yeah. And how did that come about? It was just, hey, yeah, come on in. Yeah, it was really interesting. That was the first time in close to 20 years at that time of, of coaching where I'd been fired. I, I'd never been fired before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people, once you go through that experience, will reach out, which is great. And you can, you can learn from their experience and you learn from your own experience. I almost wish in this business, to be brutally frank, this may sound bizarre, I wish I'd been fired earlier because it allows you to learn certain things. You take your foot off the pedal for a second, you can reflect, you can look at what was working, what was not working, and it can better prepare you for the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went back to our house. Our house was in Vancouver that time and uh, spent a summer there, which was beautiful. Uh, enjoyed every single moment of it, and then the phone started to ring. Uh, and to be honest, I wanted the phone to start ringing because uh, I'm not somebody who enjoys sitting at home. I, I wanted to be out there and working. Mm-hmm. Had a few offers, like we spoke about earlier, to potentially go back to South Africa. Uh, wasn't quite the right opportunity. Had a few national team jobs in different parts of the world that nice. I considered. Um, but I'd rather be in club management now. I'd rather be working day in and day out. Uh, I think in the future, I wouldn't mind being involved with the national team. You have more time to prepare for your camps or games. Um, but at this stage of my life, I much prefer waking up and going to work every single day. Yeah. Uh, and then I waited and saw what was out there, and then Colorado reached out and flew me there. I don't know if anybody's been to Colorado here. It is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, uh, it is, um, totally. I've been there with the women's uh, Whitecaps team. We yeah, used to play games. It, there was two teams from Colorado. It's, it's beautiful. Honestly, it's an amazing place. We got to. I rode my bike through the Rocky Mountains to work every single day. Nice. Uh, I was a lot fitter than I am right now. <laughs> um, Hang on. I've been eating cake all COVID. <laughs> Let's talk about fitness. But it was, honestly, it was a great year. I went there because the club was building a brand new stadium, mm-hmm. uh, which they're going to open in a few weeks' time. It's going to be one of the most beautiful stadiums in the United States. It's literally right on the side of the Rocky Mountains downtown. Um, and that was the plan. And then, to be quite frank, COVID hit. Um, my wife's brother passed away, unfortunately, at the beginning of last year. 
uh, all Sorry of her family that. is in Vancouver. Um, and borders got shut down. We weren't able to come back. She, my my wife's family, nobody was able to come see us. My family wasn't able to come see us. And we didn't make a decision at that time, but we went back when the season finished to our house in Vancouver and did the 14-day the quarantine like you have to do when you come back to Canada. Yeah. And during that phase, we just realized, you know, we want to be back in Canada. Yeah. There, there were too many things happening in this world. Uh, and obviously, I think we've all seen on TV a lot of uh, the challenges that the U.S. specifically have gone through in this mm-hmm. last year. And we just want to be back in Canada. Uh, that was it. We made a, a personal decision first. Uh, and then we followed up and I thank goodness a professional opportunity came here and we're incredibly grateful uh, for this opportunity to be here in Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so give our, give our, uh, our listeners a official uh, title. What's your title here for, for the club? Yeah, I don't even know what my title is. <laughs> uh, soccer guy. Um, I'm the head coach and director of football operations. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, titles to me, to be quite frank, don't mean anything. Uh, you, you have so many different jobs to do in this business. I know what I have to do and I've got to go out and do it. Uh, you can call me anything. It doesn't make any difference. And like Sean in this business, we've probably been called some names that uh, we, probably, <laughs> we, we probably shouldn't be announcing uh, on this uh, podcast. Yeah, here, so I was never called bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the supporters group will, uh, will have you for the first, for the first few games. <laughs> I, I'm actually going to uh, request our, uh, our supporters go look and see what the Cincinnati fans did in terms of the TIFO for me and see if we can do a better one in Edmonton. So Wow. Uh, that'd, okay. that'd be a good thing. That's no, a- no, pressure but challenge thrown out there so well i'll tell you right now you've got one of the biggest bigger supporters yeah. sitting across the table there is that d is a huge supporter of the club and awesome you know very happy to see when it does well so he's he, he'll push some buttons uh, for you i'll be sitting i'll be standing in the supporter section that's for sure yeah, <laughs> awesome. hey listen we, 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 go ahead dano sorry i said d you can start a soccer guy champ Done. 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 <laughs> we'll, get something to get, we'll get something together. Hey, listen, we're going to take another quick break here on the show. And uh, when we come back, more with Alan Koch. And uh, as always with the lads here, we'll be talking EPL and what's going on. I know. I'm sorry to the friends that are always bugging us about the Italian League, but you know what? No, I won't even go there. Okay, we'll be right back. You've been listening to, or you are listening to, Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. We'll be right back. This episode of Soccer Talk in the Park is sponsored by Outback RV. Discover the Outback at Outback Country RV, Sherwood Park's first RV dealer. And we're back. Yes, you're listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. Uh, Alan Koch, yes. FC Edmonton head coach and director of soccer operations. I always like to hear that one, that title. Yeah, call me director of soccer operations. <laughs> Is it I, soccer I think, operations or football operations? I think the actual football, well, I think it's actually football. Wow. So, which I use both interchangeably. Yeah. I'm sure we all do. It's yeah. soccer, no. it's football. It depends on the day of the week. <laughs> For me, it depends on the accent I'm speaking to. Uh, I find when you're just talking to random people and and they're Canadian, you, you mentioned football and they oh, you know, they th- right away they're thinking Edmonton Eskimos type stuff. And hey, 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 uh, hey, double yeah. E football team, right? Hey, yeah. oh, oh, so, yeah, <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot the change. Now, have they come but to a conclusion they're, yet they're there? Voting, yeah, they right now, they? Is it they the they vote voting right now, aren't they? Or yeah. similar soon? I don't know what I'm saying. It's actually funny in Ireland they call it soccer, they don't call it football. What? Because of Gaelic football. Ah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my last trip there was actually to the north and um, part of the Milk Cup. That was fantastic, but they they call it football. Gaelic football and hurling, right? Hurling, hurling, yeah, that yeah. game. <laughs> Hurling's crazy. Insane. That's I don't I don't get that game either. Like it's oh. it's it is insane for sure. They're both tough. You, you have to be <laughs> tough to play both of them. I heard Dana went out and tried out for a couple of hurling teams. In goal, <laughs> in goal. goal. <laughs> now you have to be really touch me in goal with hurling. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just definitely off. For me. Um, so, Alan, FC Edmonton, what are we doing? How are we going? What's uh, it going to be like? Yeah, that's a lot of questions. O- very, op- <laughs> yeah. very open-ended, too. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, obviously you've come in and, and everyone's going to have their own challenge as, as far as being the new guy and, and, and obviously going to have to assess what you've got. You're looking to bring in players that maybe you've worked with before, you haven't. Um and of course, COVID's not helping. You were alluding to it earlier about one-on-ones, uh, and that's all you're capable able to do right now. I know things are changing, and you 
you've just gotten the okay to, to move forward with a larger group, but fill us in. Yeah, I'm very much a realist, so I'm, I'm black and white. It's uh, I've inherited the team that came last in the league. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a bad place to start, but you don't want to finish at the bottom. No. Uh, obviously. So we've we've gone, we've reflected on what we have. Uh, I feel like we've retained pieces that we needed to keep, uh, and then we've made adjustments. We've gone and recruited within the salary cap that we have. We feel like a decent group, mm-hmm. uh, and now we're chomping at the bit to start working with these guys and get them going. And we, we're doing one-on-one training right now, which is not the end of the world for us because having new coaches uh, and getting to know these players just personally and their abilities, I think it's a good place for us to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully, we can be able to now to progress to, to bigger groups uh, and then ultimately hopefully get to where we can have full training. But we've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, it's been a long, long off-season. I, I personally don't believe you should have a long off-season. Uh, and we've got to work with these guys to get them fit, get them sharp, get them understanding of how we're going to play. Uh, and then get them to the required level. But uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I'm enjoying being in Edmonton first off. I like working with the group of players that we have. Mm-hmm. They're motivated, they're energized, they're, their mentalities are first class, uh, and we're going to continue to push them. I think they they can see already what we want to do with them. Uh, there's a vision, and now we have to actually go out and execute that. Uh, yeah. And it's not going to be easy. We have to work our way up the table. Of course, we want to do that as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the major, major goal this year is just really galvanize the group get some sort of momentum, hopefully play games in front of our fans. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I think I think everybody who watches the game can see the game is not the same without fans. Obviously, the, the ball, the officials, the 11v11 is exactly the same, but you take away the fans, you you lose a major, major component of this game. Yeah, and, and D, you're a major fan of... We're all major fans of football in general, but, uh, I mean, you're, you're quite the FC fan as well, which is fantastic. Um yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're hoping to get back into the stadium. and Yeah, I mean, season ticket holder, um, for sure, for me and, and my girlfriend. And we, we get, we get a, to get out as much as we can when I'm not on the football pitch co- coaching. And um, we just love the experience. We love the experience of being there. You know, we, we go and stand in the supporters section because we want to we wanna cheer. We want to get loud. And we want to be able to enjoy the experience. But uh, number one, I look at the future. I mean, I've got a, an 11, 11-year-old nephew. Uh, I've been in... in I've been in, in the soccer uh, community for and coaching for over 18 years, and I want I want a future for my nephew. And yeah. if, if that means that I've got to got to spend the money to, to buy season tickets in order for our professional club to grow, I'm going to do that and support it um, mm-hmm. because we need we we need it we need it for our kids. We've got good soccer players, uh, both female and 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 male, uh, that come out of the city and. And we need them to strive to be able to play for play for an FC Edmonton. Yeah, and Sean, you had you guys had season tickets as well. Yeah, Rich and I. Yeah, we have tickets. We go to every game. Well, yeah. as many as we can. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, just like D, I love it. I mean, that's all I've done it for my whole life anyway. Yeah, so of course, yeah, you have to go and support it. And I just yeah. hope more people go out there and support because if we get big crowds, it makes it more exciting. More fans will come, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully have a great season. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough last year. I was actually the stadium announcer for all the games, so that was cool. that was a fun part. But uh, I, would, I, I would love uh, texting you pictures <laughs> from sideline to, <laughs> to see you up there in the stadium announcing booth and like T Dubs uh, put the cake down. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, there was the one I forget whose name I botched. There was one name that I botched. Oh. Paulus comes off the bench and turns around. And this is Jeff Paulus, the former head coach, and he looks up at the stadium. So I turned the mic on. I went, "Sorry, Jeff," <laughs> but he got a good chuckle. And everyone in the stadium, I think, got a good yeah, chuckle good. out of it. But uh, but I think you guys have every single one of you guys have just hit the nail on the head. How important having a professional team in a city is for for huge. everybody for all levels of this game. Yeah. And I've been fortunate; I've coached at every level you can imagine. But to have a professional team is fantastic for young boys, young girls to aspire to to come together, it can only help grow the game. Um, yeah. And obviously we need to be fully integrated with the community. And, and that's something we need to continue to work at to, to improve as much as possible so we can have that fully integrative approach. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I, I'll, I'll say it right now. You have to thank people like Tom and Dave Fath who have put the time into owning this pro team and having to continue because I am positive there's been times along the way here where they've decided or thought to themselves, what are we doing? Why did we purchase this? And it was all community driven. They wanted to give something back to the community and this was their way of doing it. And, you know, it's a fantastic way. So you're spot on with that. You know, this is something that every city should have. 
um, some kind of form of professional, you know, football so we can drive that amongst the kids. It's one of the biggest, it's the biggest recreation sport in Canada. It surpasses hockey as far as people jumping on board and, and being part of the part of this sport. So um, having a professional league and a professional team to aspire to within the country is huge. Absolutely. Uh, huge. Huge. I was speaking to one of our guys a few days ago and he actually said that. So, sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan, go ahead. No, go, go ahead, guys. Go ahead. No, no, no. We, we, you're only coming in the left ear. Sorry, I could, couldn't tell. So go ahead. I'm on a delay. Uh, no, just with you guys speaking about the fans and, you know, getting enough people out, I, th- I think something else is important is that, you know, it's got to extend past the soccer community. I've, uh, on a few occasions, taken some friends out that are just general, you know, sports fan enthusiasts. And they've absolutely loved the environment, right? The closed-knit stadium they've got at Clark. And everyone that's gone has really enjoyed it. And I think it's kind of pushing it past the barrier of just getting football people out there and extending to the city. That's going to even help uh, push the fan base even higher, probably similar to what's happened with Alan's time in Cincinnati and whatnot. So you've got to kind of, you know, push past the barriers of people that are not just, you know, people that fall down to Eskimos. There's people that go there and, and there's thousands and they're not big football people, but they go for the experience. And yeah, it's good. It's definitely needed to keep the, keep the team in the city for sure. Yeah, it's definitely on fan experience. Uh, you know, you, you have some great examples in North America. You look at Portland Timbers, for example. Oh. You know, I mean, once you go to that environment, uh, you're hooked and you yeah, have to go totally. back, you know. And I remember Montreal if, uh, quite a few years ago when in, in the A-League, all of a sudden they started get, getting big crowds and, you know, everyone yeah. just jumped on the bandwagon to, to go to that as an event. And they weren't, they weren't necessarily soccer players. We're just yeah, rupees that, that live in the city and it's 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 fun and they want to go. Well, it, it was like the transition. I mean, you were in the city at, at, at the time when Vancouver went from the U, uh, USL, I guess it was mm-hmm. still, or uh, A-League, it was still, when they went to MLS and they built that portable stadium at the old Empire site. Yeah. And all of I a sudden... I was at the first game, yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden we went from, you know, because I used to be at the old Swan Guard with the team when we, we played there, and it was it was good. You know, you'd get 4,000, 4,500, maybe 5,000 at a game. All of a sudden there's 15,000, 20,000 young new fans coming to watch this MLS side. What a difference. Huge difference. It's, fa- it's, it's fascinating because the, the level sometimes may, that the level got better, obviously, but it's not significantly better, but it becomes the thing to do. Yeah. And if you're a soccer person, you're drawn to go to the game because a soccer person, that's fantastic. We, we love for you to come and support the team. But if you're a non-soccer person, it's a great experience to go out watching live sports or live theater or a live concert, to be mm-hmm. quite frank. I enjoy all of them. Um, unfortunately, COVID's taken that away from us. So, yeah. so hopefully, we can get to a place where we're all able to go enjoy all of those different events. Yeah, um, Dano, you were about to uh, jump in there. No, it was just chatting about the A League, and Sean had mentioned Montreal, and that I was playing in the A League back in '04 for that year when we did have the Aviators, and that was, I think, one of the biggest crowds that I played in front of, and it was it was twelve, thirteen thousand, and it was just absolutely packed. And you saw the same thing in Portland. Um, the Timbers were in the USL or the A-League then. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of those teams that have gone on and pushed on to MLS were, were there, but they had that they had that fan base, right? They had the stadium, they had the fan base, and they just pushed on from there. But it was always exciting to play. Um, yeah, and it, it's great to see that um, the Sounders was another one, and they were playing at a Seahawks stadium, right? But it's great to see all these clubs that took that leap from the A-League and then push on, obviously, to MLS. Whitecaps the same, so yeah. good. It's 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 fun to see and and you know hopefully you'll be able to direct traffic enough there to uh, to build that fan base back up and and I, I say build it up I I don't know if they've ever had like what what was it like back in the aviator days or even the drillers days I mean I know they the yeah. indoor drillers were quite the draw I mean I played against the drillers with with the white caps and the crowds were big yeah you know they were. Would 15, you, 20,000. And it wouldn't be Clark. You'd be playing in uh, play Commonwealth. Commonwealth. Yeah. A couple of games at Clark, but mainly at Commonwealth. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, the, the NPSL driller days, I mean, we were, our family was season ticket holders to that as well, too. And, and the, the Edmonton drillers had some great runs, great runs. Um, and, you know, for inside a, a, a hockey arena, that place was packed. Yeah. But the experience oh, yeah. was something, was a different class. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I, I, you know, I, I just, I wish you the best of luck there, Alan, as far as the, the coaching end of it goes and, 
and and having some success there. I mean, it, it's it's just it's good for the city. It's it's good for everybody here that uh, is part of the football world in northern Alberta. And uh, I mean, you got a built-in rivalry with Calgary down down in the south end, and you'll you'll get to see that firsthand. Uh, I think we actually have to go change that because we haven't beaten Calgary since we've yeah. been in the CPL. So we have to change that. and We have to change that in a hurry. By the way, yeah. Well, that's a that's a great thing to hear because I'm sure that in itself will instill that. Uh, Battle of Alberta, you know, we've got it with the the hockey, and uh, it started to get there. The Battle of uh, Alberta. Then, what's it actually called? What do they call it? The El Clasico. El Clasico. Yeah. There you go. I actually, I actually like that name. It's yeah, a, it's, it's a pretty cool, cool name. I was yeah. having a chat with my wife the other day and talking about different rivalries around the world, and obviously there's some big ones that we know, but that's a special one. I like it. El yeah. Clasico. We need to go win it, and that's the goal. So, well, and, and speaking of special ones, let's uh, we're going to shift gears slightly here, and uh, and maybe have a quick chat about. Uh, inspiring things so you're going to inspire the folks of uh, edmonton and the surrounding areas to to get season tickets and be part of this uh, club but uh, just just thoughts out there for people on different quotes you've got from different people or different thoughts of or things you might have heard that inspired you to to i don't want to say try better but just inspire you in general um, whether it's for the sport or whether it's to do whatever you want to do in, in, in life, we've got a bunch of quotes here and, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll read one. Uh, it's a, it's a quote from Peter Shilton, the uh, England goalkeeper who famously suffered Maradona's hand of God. So in that, what, what world cup was that? What was it? Why are, why are there only goalkeeper quotes? There There's go. only goalkeeper. There's like four goalkeeper quotes. Yeah. On here. <laughs> hey, come on. What are you talking about? <laughs> if I was American, that third quote is from Peel. Uh, no, I want to jump in and use one before you guys steal it. So. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. You're the guest. So let's, let's have you go first instead of me. Well, I, 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 it's hard for me to take off my coaching hat. So this is a, a quote from Nelson Falcao Rodriguez, a sports commentator from the 1960s and 70s. And he says, in football, soccer, the worst blindness is only seeing the ball. And I wouldn't be surprised. I think if you read below it, actually, Dee's not going to be surprised. It says something about goalkeepers. But <laughs> I, 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 I see every player. I don't just, oh, notice the goalkeeper. But I, I, love, I love that because the game, obviously, you need a ball to play with it. But there's so much more to the game for individual players uh, in terms of what we do with the ball and what we have to do without the ball. Uh, and that's when our team has possession of the ball and when the other team has possession of the ball too. So um, you, you need to see the ball, obviously, but you need to see more than the, more than the ball when you're on the pitch. Yeah, for sure. And for me, the, this, uh, this, this Peter Shilton quote is, as a goalkeeper, you need to be good at organizing the people in front of you and motivating them. You need to see what's going on and react to the threats, uh, just like a good manager in business. So very true. It's something that we discuss a fair amount when we have the GK Union classrooms. Um, a lot of this, uh, the classrooms are driven by what these keepers, the young keepers, need to understand and know about the game and their ability to see what's going on out in front of them so they can help to adjust the team and uh, you know, make life easier for the team in some ways and, and lessen the threats that come at them uh, as far as the goal goes. Now, does that inspire people? I think it's something that makes you think for sure. Um, but inspirationally, I, I don't know. Does do you, anybody, you guys have anything inspirational? Uh, it could be from a coach or an, yeah, another I've, player. I've got two. First one is uh, football is not life and death. It's more important than that. Yeah, <laughs> Bill Shankly quote, quote yeah. many many years ago. But that's the, I don't think that. Unfortunately, North America wouldn't probably think that yeah. way. But the rest of the world, for sure. And the second one, um, and this was a more of a little bit of a story. It's not an actual quote, but Peter Larmer, who played for the Vancouver yeah. Whitecaps, uh, were playing a game in Tampa Bay, Florida, and the referee makes a horrendous call. So he goes up to the referee and says, uh, "Ref." That was awful. Ref says, okay, it's your opinion. He says, but can I ask you a question, please? And he said to the ref, if I called you an idiot, what would you do? He says, I'd send you off, give you a red card. He says, but what if I just thought you were an idiot? <laughs> what? what do you mean, thought? Yeah, if I, if I just think you're an idiot. He says, well, I can't do anything because I don't know about that. He says, well, I think you're an idiot. 
<laughs> in the process, called him an idiot about five or six times. <laughs> Dano, any thoughts of, uh, you know, either inspirational quotes or just things you've uh, heard over the years that either made you giggle or think to no, I don't know have a like, baby? I don't have, the, I don't have the list of goalkeeper quotes in front of me. I but I think, I mean, I think as a player growing up, it's just, inspiration of the game and falling in love with the game is just by seeing for me. I think, you know, my dad emigrated here from the UK and watching him and going to his men's game, watching the Premier League. And I grew up as he would uh, attest a huge Beckham fan. And I just, I just fell in love with the game. Right. So I just think inspiration by, by watching and then doing, and then just kind of grows a passion for the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. D? Yeah, I'll, I'll read one off of your off your GK list here. Um, <laughs> Pele is not a GK. <laughs> so this one's from Cristiano Ronaldo. I think sometimes the best training is to rest. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at this one, and I, and I think about the, the, the player, the youth player, or the person that's overtraining, that wants to do everything, wants to be a part of this, wants to be a part of that, and just wants to, to get out and play soccer all the time. It's great to have that mindset. Yeah. Um, but if you're overtraining, especially at a young age, in your, in your, in your body development, your physical development stages, um, you're not actually going to get to that point where you want to get to in the, in the short term. Yeah. I think what we're going to do. Oh, go ahead. Dee. No, I said before you before you wrap up. I feel like oh. you're getting to that stage where no, you're we, we still got to so. do a little EPL here. <laughs> so. EP, so before we can get to, so I'm going to have a, a question for Alan. So Alan's yeah, from, yeah. from from Durban. We're both from Durban. So um, the FC Edmonton um, mascot is the Rally Rabbit. All right, I've heard that. Okay, so how long is it before we get a bunny chow into this into the concession <laughs> um, at uh, at Clark Clark Stadium? You know what? Can you get a bunny chow in Edmonton? Because if we can, I'm going there right away. Oh, I, I can fix you up something. Yeah, I'm sure you can, actually. I'd, 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 I'd appreciate it. So. Well, it's, it's funny. He's actually a chef. Well, then he probably makes an, well, an amazing bunny chow. But. It, it wouldn't come from me. It would come from my mom. That's for oh, sure. Okay. She's the one. Oh, bunny, but uh, we would definitely fix you up something Bunny sure. chow is something special. And if you don't know what that is, go Google it. It's, yeah. an, it's an amazing dish from Durban, really. It's, uh, yeah, street food. Half a loaf of bread, cut it, take the bread out, and put your curry inside, and away you go. Oh, yeah. Are you, would you, would you be a fan of that? I'm a fan of curry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had it in a sandwich like that. <laughs> I, you know, here I am. I had visions of, uh, you know, our fans cutting up rabbits. Yeah. And, <laughs> and That's the first thing I like <laughs> rabbit hot dog or something like that. Dano's favorite. <laughs> No, oh, no. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. It actually looks pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I'm getting hungry thinking of it. So. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, let's let's slip quickly into the EPL and a little bit of talk about that. Anybody uh, got any thoughts, Dano? Anything special going on in your Tottenham world? I don't think you need to chat to me. I think you need to see if he's okay with Liverpool's run. Man. I think that should be the talk right now. Surprised, what's going, what's going on there, I'm Surprised I'm here today. I was going to say, what's been going on there? <laughs> I mean, I mean, losing six games at home on a spin, um, you know, oh. <laughs> that's, it's insane. That's I don't know. It's just crazy. I think we're in the eighth place right now. And our, like our friends at Newcastle, how are they doing? They staying above the line? Or? Well, we won't be talking about uh, EPL with Newcastle next season. Oh. Uh, really? Well, is it that far done? No, it's not. They still not, have time. Not yet. They, not yeah, yet. they, they still, still have time. time. It's, it's frustrating for sure. Yeah. Especially when my schoolmates... Um, I'm on Facebook with them and they just slag off Steve Bruce all the time. And <laughs> I played with Steve Bruce as a, as a youth player and I sort of like ignore the comments. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> but it's difficult. It's, uh, it's a, as we talked about, it's a massive club Yeah. with uh, a massive history. Uh, way back in the day, they were <laughs> winning trophies back in the 50s and stuff, but hopefully we'll survive. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Alan? Favorite EPL team, or do you have one, or do you just like good football like me? I, I've been an Arsenal fan since 1986, so a long time. But I, I hate to say it, the longer I've been in professional football, the less of a fan I've become. Uh, wow. I, I, I'm really just a student, to be quite frank. I, I watch teams to analyze them. I have an affection for Arsenal, and I'm sure if they were doing fantastically, I'd probably be a bigger fan than I am right now. <laughs> but I have been a fan. I've been a fan of them for, for decades. But I, I appreciate watching all the teams. Like, I... I appreciate watching Scott Parker manage Fulham. Oh, it's yeah. brilliant. It's I, I appreciate brilliant. Pep, obviously, what he does with Man City. I, yeah. I love watching and studying Bielsa. I have friends of mine that have been on his staff in different places, so mm -hmm. I spend time picking their brains and seeing how he works, what's good, what's bad. Yeah, because for to be sure. quite frank, everybody does good things and everybody does bad things. Mass appreciation for Klopp. Um, I try analyze why 
because when you go from being so impressive to really struggling, uh, there have to be reasons, sometimes internal yeah. reasons, sometimes yeah. external reasons too. Um, no, I have an appreciation for every single team. Yeah. I, I love to to go watch teams. Um, I don't really watch as a fan anymore, which is kind of sad, to be honest. Uh, a little bit of the romance is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll go follow teams. I'll study teams. I watch AZ Elkmar play a lot. Yeah. I'm not a fan, but I like watching them to see how they do. They're a team that's not necessarily a big budget team. They're, yeah. they're not uh, spending mass cash, but a lot of the time they'll exceed expectations. Um, so... I, I, Jesse Marsh's uh, Red Bull Salzburg. What a what a team! Yeah. And I've oh. coached I've coached against Jesse, and I know Jesse relatively well, so it's enjoyable watching people yeah. that you've worked uh, worked with or worked against too. Uh, unfortunately, I lost the US Open Cup semifinal <laughs> in extra time to him, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful watching other people you've coached against and see the success yeah. they've had in different places. And I, I love watching teams in MLS. I, I even thoroughly enjoyed watching the CPL before I came here, yeah. just to analyze, mm-hmm. see see how coaches and managers approach the games, see how players approach the games too. And uh, that sounds like a bit of a, a nerdy soccer person, but I, I no, like No, I mean, it, it's, it's, yeah. what, it's the reality of becoming in the level where you're working with the teams, where you're having to be the one who motivates the players and trains the players day in and day out. That's your mindset shifts. It just does. I mean, I think you can still appreciate the game, obviously. And if you were, you know, intensely watching a game that you know may not have anything to do with your job, but I'm sure you'd be right into it. I'm sure the fan, I, if, of, if fan I, if of you would come. If out. I wasn't having to manage a team every single second of every single day, which is the reality of the job, yeah, I'm sure I'd be an absolutely huge Arsenal fan to this day. I, I remember in 1989, and I have a close uh, connection with Bruce Cropola. I was in touch with him already this week, and Bruce was in goal for Liverpool, and I was a huge Arsenal fan. Arsenal had to go to Anfield and win two nothing. They scored right at the end. Uh, my grandmother had actually had a heart attack and she was in hospital and came, oh. came home and she was living with us. I absolutely <laughs> lost it. I was running around the house going crazy. They scored, I think, when was it? Michael Thomas scored in the 18, it was the 91st minute, I believe, to score 2 nothing. Uh-huh. I was going crazy. My mom was like, wow. Alan, your grand's had a heart attack. And I was like, I don't care, I don't care. I was going around the house going bonkers. So I can appreciate being a fan, uh, yeah. and I still am a fan, uh, but I'm definitely a student of the game nowadays. Yeah, okay. Well, that's cool. So, so what does that mean for FC Edmonton? What type of brand of football are our fans going to be looking forward to seeing? Um, a pragmatic, uh, which uh, can sound interesting at times because I think we play a little bit of a hybrid style. I, I don't think we have the ability. I have appreciation for different people, but we don't have the resources in the CPL to go play certain ways. Uh, and I'll use uh, an example. I... I love tiki-taka football, but we're not Man City. I'm not Pep Guardiola, and we don't have their budget. So you don't have the ability to go get the players to play a certain way. Um, So we'll play a hybrid style. We'll try play good football. We'll have to be pragmatic at times. We'll try hit teams in transition, uh, and then we'll have to be very, very sound defensively. Uh, I think that's the way to be successful in this league. Uh, I'm a firm believer in this business that you have to morph based on the environment that you're in. Uh, I cannot coach a certain way unless I have the players to do certain things. Uh, And I'm impressed with the players we have. I think we have the ability to be successful in this league, but I think we have to coach and play a certain way to have that success. Brilliant. Love that. Are you happy? That's that's great. (laughs) It it, it makes just total sense. If you're a football mind, right, you can have... uh, and if you're if you're a coach coming through the through the youth ranks and you got a, a youth thirteen team and you say you want to play uh, tiki taka football, I, th- I would say take the advice right here from the man. Yeah. You know, it, you you have to be able to work with the players you got. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen too many players or too many coaches try and plug players in where they really don't belong and and shouldn't be playing in that position, and they get themselves into trouble. Have a pre- yeah, like who? Like me and goal. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, my, but my job is to set my team up for success. Of course. And it's not that easy to have success in this business, oh. but setting a team up for success is setting the individuals up for success. Yeah, of course. So put them in positions and areas of influence on the pitch where they can have that success. Well, I'm, I'm wishing you the best of success here, Alan, for this you. uh, year coming up and future years, hopefully, that you can be here in this lovely sunshine of uh, of northern Alberta. Um, I, and I want to thank you for being on the show today, too. It's uh, it's great to have you on board. Good to see you. I haven't seen you in such a long time. It's yeah, been fun it's to have you awesome. in here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, Dee, thanks for being here. Sean, as always, thanks for being here. Dano on the phone. Thanks for being here in our lefty ear. Are you okay with that, Dano? 
I'm fine with that, buddy. Okay, thanks, man. So on behalf of everybody here, uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. See you again. You've been listening to Soccer Talk in the Park, the official podcast of the Sherwood Park District Soccer Association. 